Hey everybody, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We are your dynamic duo of Chronicles Abroad. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. everybody what's going on this is nubia and i'm francis and welcome back to chronicles abroad we have a spectacular show for you guys today i know you hear me say this like every week all the time because it's true but (laughs) exactly because it's true our guests are some of the most amazing people that we've crossed paths with and we just like to share their stories with you so Today we have Kimberly. Kimberly and I actually crossed paths in Mexico um, not too long ago. And when I got to learn about Kimberly's story, I was like, I got to get you on the show. So Kimberly is considered a slow traveler. She has been abroad now for about almost 13 years, right? Wow, that's a long time. That's crazy. I think I'm doing something. I just had to, (laughs) I'm just now scratching the surface, right? 13 years abroad. She is an educator. And she has had some incidences, I'll say that, happen while living in Colombia. And that was one of the reasons why I was like, we got to talk about this. Safety as a solo female traveler. So Kimberly, welcome to Chronicles Abroad. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much, ladies. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. No doubt. So 13 years. Wow. That's a pretty long time. And I feel like that's actually before it became a thing, right? For Absolutely. I would say a thing for people of color. This has always mm-hmm. been a thing, mm-hmm. travel for people of other ethnicities, right? Mm-hmm. But people of color didn't really start traveling abroad or living abroad, I would say, as much. Because I'm learning that there's been so many of us gone, but you just never really documented it. Or yeah. Exactly. I so I'm, I'm one of the OG travelers, I think. Okay, and when I set off, this was before social media. There was no Instagram. I was brand new to Facebook. I had five friends. It was my family. I just put pictures on there so my family could see, you know, what I was doing. It's like, Facebook, what's that? So it's kind of like, if you don't document it, did it really happen, you know? Yeah. So when people find out how long I've been traveling, they're like shocked. Really? Wow. So where was your first place that you traveled to and why did you choose that place? I originally went abroad to Barcelona, Spain, and I decided on Barcelona because my university, I was a basketball player. I had a full athletic scholarship. For your listeners, I'm really tall. If there are any um, tall single men listening, I am six foot two. And <laughs> Listen, sorry for the segue. love match can happen in Chronicles of Raw, we might have a new business. <laughs> wait, wait, can I just tell y'all about the first time Kimberly and I met for dinner and I'm sitting down at the booth and she walks in and I I stand up and I'm like, whoa, you're really tall. She's like, whoa, you're really short. Like she's six, how would you, six foot one? Six foot two, six foot two on a good day. Six foot two. And, and I'm four eleven and Barely four feet so, tall. So you and that quarter, let it go. Let's let it go, Lord. <laughs> so you can just imagine the height disparity, but it was so cool though. Either way. Okay, continue. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. So I was a basketball player and my school recruited internationally. So I was roommates with a Lithuanian shot putter. And two years after graduation, we all decided, her friends and me, I was kind of like the only American in that group that we needed a reunion. So because we were so spread out, we decided that Barcelona was the most central location for all of us. I had three weeks approved vacation for my corporate job, which you know is unheard of. And then as the date got closer for the trip, everybody had to pull out for one reason or another. But I was like, you know what? I got three weeks of pre-vacation, I'm going. And so it was an unintentional solo trip. 
And those three weeks really honestly changed the course of my life. When I got to Spain, I just, I felt like I found a place where I could slow down and really enjoy life, like, you know, quality of life over, you know, the kind of rat race that we get in. Uh, Wait, so everybody that. pulled out? Yes, except for the girl who we were going to visit. <laughs> She's like, well, I'm already here. <laughs> she was there, so. <laughs> that is the typical story of a lot of people, right? Yeah, it's like you start with a group, no, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets and smaller and as smaller. As you get more. closer to the, because there's plenty of memes on it, right? But this was actually <laughs> happening in your life. It actually happened. Had you ever so. been abroad before Barcelona? Well, my when I was younger, my family moved to Canada for a couple of years. I don't know if that really counts. It is technically abroad, but you know, it's just our neighbor to the north. So I'd been to Canada, but I was very young, so I don't remember vividly that experience. But in my adult life, it was my first international trip. Got it. So you got to Spain and stayed there for like six years or seven years. Seven years. I actually, I thought I would go for one year. I was like, I'm going to learn Spanish. It'll be really useful to be bilingual when I go back home just to make myself more marketable. And I just, you know, I needed a break from my stressful job. So I took a one year sabbatical that went by in the blink of an eye. I had so much fun that year. I forgot to learn Spanish. So. <laughs> <laughs> so silly. I said, what? It's been a year. I did not enroll in anybody's class. I was using, you know, when you don't know the language, you're just pointing using your fingers and your body language. I said, I can't go home. I'll be so embarrassed. I need another year and I'm really going to learn the language. So that second year turned into seven. <laughs> wow, seven uh, Yeah. That's crazy. So let's talk about a little bit what was happening that made you really want to turn this into like a full-time thing for you for to be gone for that long. What was the catalyst that was going on? It was never my intention to get into teaching. I've got a double major in both psychology and advertising. And my job straight out of college was with an electrical engineering company. So totally unrelated, any of that to my degree, and then also <laughs> unrelated to teaching. But because I was playing basketball for so many years, we did so many camps and in the summers and, you know, with new recruits. So I was used to working with people coaching slash teaching. So I felt comfortable with that. And I literally Googled, what can an American do in Spain? And boop, TEFL. Ah, what is that? I can speak English, teaching English. Ah, okay. So again, this was way before social media. So I just went on a limb and I, I transferred the money to the program and I crossed my fingers and I said, I hope this isn't a scam. <laughs> Because, you know, it's not like I could read reviews and or reach out to people and be like, aren't cheap. <laughs> they're not cheap. I think it was back then it was 2006. I think it was 1500 USD. This was before online programs. You had to be there in person. Right. So it was like the program, the accommodation, you know, the flight, all of that stuff. So like on a hope and a prayer, I, I wired the money to the school. Luckily, they were legitimate. <laughs> and that's how I became a teacher. And I thought this is amazing because that certification is for a lifetime and it's recognized worldwide. Yeah. So with that, I can and I have gone to many different countries. A lot of us, our intentions are not to become teachers, <laughs> but no. it is one of the easiest ways to stay abroad. Yeah. Especially it when is. they take care it of the visa stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if yeah. it's temporarily, just to kind of get in, you get kind of the lay of the land, you got work, mm -hmm. you get, you know, some money, and then you can find other things from there. Mm -hmm. But um, your story is just like many of us. Our first year, well, my first year, I, I played. I played hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like, it's like you're let loose, you know, kind of like that freshman year in college when you're not under your parents' thumb anymore. You don't know how to act. But now you're grown. You got your own money. You make your full independence. So yeah, I was acting a fool that first year, but it was great. It was honestly really, really fun. Seven years in Barcelona, mm -hmm. and then you chose to move to, was it Korea? Yeah, so then I went to South Korea at the end of uh, 2013, and I stayed there on and off for three years. So the what prompted that move was also uh, a bit unexpected. So after five years in Barcelona, I just, I took pause. And I was like, whoa, what happened? I was only supposed to be here for one year. 
where did the time go? But of course, in those five years, I'd fallen in love a few times, had some, (laughs) you know, the typical love story. So I was living my best life. But because it was my first time abroad, I got itchy feet. So I said, it's been five years. I was established. I had my own place, which is a big deal in Barcelona because people live with their mamas until they're 40. So I had my own place. I had my private students. I, you know, I'd earned my reputation as a good teacher. But at that five year mark, I was thinking, uh, should I like keep going? Do I want to see other parts of the world? And it took me two years to make the decision that, yes, I was ready to move on. So I remember talking to my mom like okay it's time I'm leaving Barcelona and she was so happy you're coming out and I was like actually I'm going to Korea I'm moving <laughs> further away but in the other direction you know so that job you know put my resume online and I got contacted by recruiters and the offer was so good like I could not refuse so not only Francis you mentioned visa but they cover your flight round trip flight, they cover your apartment, you don't have to pay anything, you just have to pay your water, uh, electricity, your internet bill, but literally everything was covered. They're just like, we want you to come, we will take care of it. So I went. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. So we were talking and you were giving me a little bit of info on your time in Korea and girl, you had me in tears because I was cracking up laughing. Can you just give us a little bit about your first year in South Korea? Oh, yes. Well, I went with the Ministry of Education. The program is called EPIC and they place you where you're needed, right? So these are usually smaller rural towns. There are some, you know, city bots, but they're very highly coveted. But anyway, they don't tell you where you're going to be placed until you have landed on Korean soil. They put you on a bus, you sign your contract in your blood, and then they give you your assignment. So you're on this bus, you have no idea where you're headed. There's like, there's two buses. One is going north, one is going south. Where will you be? And I asked them, this is really kind of, well, it's a little shady. Like, why don't you tell people before they come here, you know, where they're going to be placed? And they said they had experiences where people really wanted to live in Seoul. And then they got placed in a small town and they just decided not to come. So to make sure that you were there, your contract was signed. And then they told you. So unfortunately for me, I was on that bus, that second bus that was headed into the countryside. So I was placed in a very small farming, I'm going to call it a village, and it was really lonely. So you have to realize I just left Barcelona. I could, I was living in like the city center. I could walk out my front door and I had everything at my feet, right? Looking left, looking right, bars, restaurants, culture, like anything and everything I wanted was literally at my feet. To being surrounded by ma and pa farmer, you know, corn. I did I did gain an appreciation for agriculture. I will tell you that. It is hard backbreaking work and you yes, know, cheers is. to all the farmers around the world cuz I know I couldn't do it. So, I was isolated. I was super isolated. And I went in November, which Korean winters are so hard. Uh, I think like if you look at a map, the geography, people don't think Korea and Russia, but it's it's very close to the Siberia, right? So you get those winds, you get that extreme cold. So again, Texas to Barcelona to like a South Korean winter. And I was praying every day for snow day. It never came like a meter of snow. A meter is like, what? what is that conversion? Five feet something? I don't know. I don't do math. Y'all, one of y'all listeners did the conversion. What's a meter? <laughs> so it's interesting because like I had- um, There was a lot of snow. <laughs> I had applied for a job in, in South Korea. And I remember doing my interview and you know, mm-hmm. my intention was like, this would be a great way to save some money because of the fact you get all those perks. And I remember the two people that were interviewing me, they were in bubble jackets. And I was like, oh no, I, can't, I, can't, I don't know about this winter. I can't do it. So you did it off and on for three serious. years though. But the thing is, they don't want to turn on the heat in the no. 
winter and they don't want to turn in the air in the summer. So you may be inside a building, all the windows are open, they're like air circulation, you know, they want that fresh air, but it's like it's, but it's snowing. Can we insulate ourselves? So I would go to school. And we have an energy conscious. Is that what it is? Gloves, jacket, like like you're outside. You had to be protected indoors. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. So you did the first year in the rural area. Then you was just like, you know what? I haven't really got to enjoy Korea. Exactly. So that's exactly. When you went into the so <laughs> I think the story that I was telling you was about the location of my apartment. So there was a river dividing my town. And for one reason or another, I was placed on the sad side of the river. And my apartment complex was literally called apartment by the river. So you think of a complex as a multi-building kind of structure. There was none. There was one building. I was the only foreigner in that whole entire building. And when you looked out, you saw pasture, again, corn, mountains, and the river. And I could see across the river to the other side. And there was like lights at night. And I was like, oh, what's going on on the other side of the river? I really wanted to know. And it turned out that everybody else lived on the other side of the river. So they were they were having a great time. They had cafes, they had restaurants, you know. That temptation not as much was real. Yeah, and I asked, because they found the apartment. I was like, why am I on this side? And they said, oh, because it's closer to the school. <gasps> it took me 20 minutes to walk through the school. And again, the shortcut was, I met my Korean grandma and grandpa, let me pass through their, their farm. And I could walk for 20 minutes and not see one single soul. That's how sparse it was. So after one year, I said, I have to obviously stay for another year. And actually, they give you, they call it a rural bonus. So if you work out in the sticks, they give you more money because they're like, you're going to need to get out on the weekends. We want to cover your travel costs, your entertainment costs to kind of recharge your battery before you go back to the sticks. So I said, I don't care about that bonus. Get me out of this country town. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to a city uh, and then I had an amazing year and I'm absolutely amazing. I joined every single group you could think of. I was in a board game group. I joined a conversation club. I learned salsa dancing in South Korea. People wanted to meet for coffee. If they wanted to sew, I was like, teach me, I will learn. <laughs> I just was so you just hungry. just yourself. Yes, yeah. for like exactly company what you want. and people and you know activities. Yeah. So I did everything. Well, the great thing about it is that you didn't give up. You know, I mean, honestly, me, I probably would have been like, peace out, contract done, you know. <laughs> that was me in Japan. <laughs> I was supposed to be there for two really? years. And I was nine months. I was like, this cold. It was snowing. I'm ready to I go. Was, I left. Yes, it's that way. If you're not made for winter, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. No, you'll be yeah. miserable. I, I cried. I didn't know snow could be painful. <laughs> but like, if the wind is blowing yeah. and there's like that wet snow, I'm sure my tears, you know, froze on my face. There were tears because of the Yeah, there's a such thing as bone chilling cold like seriously and I don't think a lot of people who haven't been to many places because I mean we're both you know um northeast corridor Boston (laughs) and Boston has really bone chilling -chilling winters and they're long winters you know what I mean so I can't even imagine being close to Russia because Russia has some of the worst winters period outside of the Arctic it is as bad (laughs) as you would imagine no thanks but as bad as the winters are because Korea is a peninsula I was on the East Coast. The summers were, okay, hot and humid, but spectacular. The beaches there are amazing. I heard South Korea is Simply amazing. And the food? That was probably the only thing that I could say unequivocally that I love. I never had a complaint. I love South Korean food. (laughs) If you like spicy, you will be in heaven. It is everything I ate was delicious. And I tried everything. I'm a street food advocate. If if you're cooking it, I'm going to buy it, you know, if I want to (laughs) try. Sounds like a t-shirt. My kind of girl. Go ahead, girl. Cooking it, I'm going to buy it. So after spending um, some time in in Korea, you were like, okay, now it's time to move on. Well, was that when you went to Colombia? Yes. Well, what happened is that I started learning Korean because of this kind of idea of slow travel if you are able to communicate it just enriches the experience so much so I 
was really, <laughs> I don't want to say dedicated, can I say semi-dedicated? <laughs> to learning Korean, to learning Hangul. So I learned the alphabet really quickly, the pronunciations also like quite straightforward. So I could say these simple phrases and, you know, just very simple. I say very uh, survival level of Korean. But then it got really hard when it came to the grammar. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So <laughs> the grammar, I, I don't even know where to start. It's complicated. It goes from, oh, this is nice to boom, brick wall. But then I was like, why am I dedicating so much energy and time? I was going every Saturday morning for like three or four hours. I had a private teacher. I was in the community center doing classes. I was like, what am I doing? I can't use Korean anywhere else except for here or like, you know, Koreatown if I, you know, go back to the States. But Spanish is so much more useful. So during those three years, I wasn't really speaking Spanish. And I thought, ah, que pena. I have to remember my Spanish. But I've done Spain. I know Spain. And I wanted to be a little closer to home just because I'd been so far for so long that Latin America was calling my name. So I found a program in Colombia that brought me there, again, with the Ministry of Education. So that's how I ended up in Colombia. Okay, so whereabouts in Colombia were you first situated? This was also a placement, but it wasn't quite as extreme as Korea. So I knew before I went where I was going. And I went to Cali, Santiago de Cali, which is on the near the coast of the Atlantic coast of, of Colombia. And this is, I think, they say one of the most dangerous places, Valle de Cauca, and that, you know, you shouldn't visit, tourists shouldn't go. And it's only because it's black folks, you know? I was just about to say that. Mm -hmm. It's because it's, it's us. Yeah, it's yeah. majority Afro-Colombian. Yeah. And anything along the coast, they always say, you know, be, be careful. careful. But the thing is, it didn't get its reputation for nothing. Mm -hmm. But that being said, well, Colombia as I a whole have... has a reputation. Let's just get it. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna get into it. Does and we're gonna, and get, we're into gonna um, get into that a little later. <laughs> um, but it didn't get its reputation for nothing. Uh, but as a friend said, we got the complexion for the protection. So I speak Spanish. I'm Black American, right? So I wasn't bothered in in Gali. Nothing ever happened to me there. It wasn't until I got to Medellin and Bogota that I, you know, started getting robbed. Um, <laughs> but the whole time in Cali, you know, I was on high alert, you know, because people said it was so dangerous. We Ubered after dark. Don't walk in the streets. There's these invisible borders. You always have to be hyper aware. I had the best time of my life dancing salsa that I learned in <laughs> South Korea, which I will say it's very, very different, the salsa in Colombia, than what they're dancing in South Korea. But I'm really glad I had that base. So I just, yeah. I had an amazing it's funny, time. Just as a side note with the whole salsa dancing, we went out dancing not too long ago mm -hmm. and everybody was so friendly and they were pulling us onto the dance floor and dancing. And I just was like, we need salsa lessons. Nubia <laughs> like, more so than me. <laughs> girl, bye. Every, yeah. I mean, like, Definitely People take a don't lesson, understand girls. the amount Do it. of physical exertion it takes. I was sweating just and out to of breath. Dance salsa. Yes. Because they do it really fast. Yes. The yes. spinning. The... Yes, it's a lot faster. Oh my it's so much faster. I was like, whoa, like in my first yeah. dance, I was like, I headlined right to the bar and got some water because I was like, I'm going to pass out if I keep staying <laughs> on this dance floor. You know, Francis had the Whitney Houston All those sweat spins, going on. I'm like, they like, doing this for hours? <laughs> I was just one dance. It was a lot. It was a lot. So I could totally <laughs> understand why you felt like having that base did you well. Mm -hmm. Because not having a yeah. base or not having lessons, man. Mm -hmm. Get ready. Yeah, you'll be on the floor. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We thank you for your support. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Now back to the show. Oh, no, I took lessons because by that time I'd been dancing for, what, two years? Mm -hmm. But I, and we were like a, in Korea, again, it's so funny when I explain this to people, they're so confused. But we were like quite a serious group we did. Uh, performances. So we would practice, we would travel to different cities and, you know, meet up with other salsa dancers. That's like, what, what's going on in Busan? What's going on, you know, in this province? So like we traveled, we performed. Because Koreans are, are competitive. Yeah, super, They're super. one of the top in the gaming industry and everything else. I could definitely see that for sure. I'm going to send you that video, girl. So <laughs> <laughs> 
I did need so a lesson. The best time of your life in Cali. Exactly. I hear that it's hot as all balls in Cali, though, because it you is. know being in Cartagena was hot. So I could only imagine what Cali was like. It is. And I have heard horror stories about people getting robbed in Cali and stuff yeah. like that. But nine times out of ten, they were mostly men. I didn't okay. hear a lot of times about women. Yeah. So I didn't get to Cali when I was in Colombia. Mm-hmm. I was in Medellin. So I will honestly say that. I did not like Medellin as much as I was hoping or anticipating Mm -hmm. liking Medellin. Mm -hmm. I know some people love Colombia. Don't get me wrong. I do. Not my. (laughs) It's not my thing. It's not my thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the one to recommend it to people. That's just me. Okay. No, I thought Medellin was straight up boring as shit. I was like, (laughs) what is going on? It's not really accessible and easy to get around. The colorism is real. The food was horrible. Okay. Like I could just go on and on about all the things I did not like. The things that I liked, okay, the weather was great, but it got dark at six o'clock every day because it's spring-like weather. So by the time it's 8 p.m., you would have thought you were, you know... time for bed. Exactly. (laughs) So I didn't really enjoy it. You know, I am one that likes to get out and see things and do things. And I felt like once you've already been to Guatape or once you've been to this, you've already done it. Like, that's it. You know, you have to literally get on a flight to go somewhere. We had very different Colombia experiences. And it could have been because I started in Cali Mm -hmm. that my love, you know, for Colombia, like in that moment, it was like, I love this place. But you're right. The food in interior isn't great. But again, on the coast where we are, girl, it's great. It's the Pacifico. Oh, I think I said Atlantic. It's the Pacifico. Yeah. So, I mean, the food is is amazing. Yeah. But outside of the food, like, you know, like you said, in Cali, majority of the people are Afro-Colombian. So you see people. Or mestizo. Mix. You see just the full array of. Yeah. I think in, in Medellin, there was a lot more European Colombians, like white Colombians, as you would call them, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Afro Colombian community were very ostracized from different places within. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see that in a lot of Latin American countries that you go to. So, me being a Spanish speaker, and I have an accent, but it's like a bit of the uh, Castellano from Spain. And when I got to Cali, they were making fun of me, like, who is this gringa with the Spanish accent, you know? And I was like, ah, damn, okay, <laughs> let me try to blend in more. So then I tried to copy their accent. So by the time, I mean, my Spanish accent is muddled. So people don't know where I'm from, but because of my skin color in Medellin and in Bogota, they always ask, are you from Cartagena? Are you from Buenaventura? Are you from Choco? Uh, and if it's not in Colombia, then it's like, are you from Brazil? Yeah, are you from Cuba? Cuba? They're just like, where are you from? Where did you yeah. come from? So, so you're right. The Afro-Colombian population is not very pronounced in the interior of the country, but we're absolutely, me, we, <laughs> we're absolutely there. There is a presence. For sure, for sure. So let's talk about your time in Medellin. You loved Cali. You get to Medellin. So I went for a job. I had an enchufe, a good friend of mine that I met in Barcelona. She was Colombian, Canadian. Mm -hmm. We were teaching together at a language institute in Barcelona. And when she heard that I was in Colombia, she was like, you have to come to my school. It's a medicine. We could use a teacher like you. Um, And so she got me in. So I was teaching eighth and ninth grade social studies and language arts. Um, So as you said about Medellin, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's set in a valley. You get 360 degrees, mountain views all day, every day. The weather is spectacular. Yeah. (laughs) But as far as, you know, cultural things, like for me, after being in Cali, I was like, where can I dance salsa? And it's like, well, maybe you could go to this club or this club or this club, you know? So I had to, you know, search. And then it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. So I was on the salsa search. I stayed in Medellin for about nine months, one year. So I stayed on the salsa search. And because I was living just a little outside of the city, I did have to, I guess, commute into the city. But I think because Medellin is the only city with the subway metro. I don't want to say only. I mean, please do some fact checking. I know Bogota doesn't, Cali doesn't. They all have like the colectivos, the busetas. No, it it is one of the only only places in Colombia that has an actual metro. Yeah, they've got the subway system. They've got the funicular. They've got the cable cars. You can get anywhere and everywhere that you want to go. I found the the transportation really, really great. And it's cheap. It's so cheap. Yeah, no. I, I, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I can't I can't attest to, to that or agree to it because where I lived, I had to walk 20 minutes just to get to the metro. So wow. it didn't feel like it was hella accessible. And those Colectivo buses, I could mm-hmm. not understand how to take one because they're coming so fast and they have all they these are. things written on it. And don't get they me wrong, do. it's like that in Mexico too. I can't even lie. Like yes. Colectivos across Latin America are just like, what the frig? Like, how- And it's usually cheaper than the you know the standard they're much cheaper they're like two you gotta try pesos. you know what it's just like with anything else it looks really intimidating because mm-hmm. you're like what if i get on the wrong bus mm-hmm. i don't know where it's gonna go because those buses don't normally have you know like roots and, um, and they will stop and pick you up anywhere there's not a designated bus stop and then when you're ready to get off you're like stop the bus and then they stop <laughs> and they let you off and I love that, but I can see how it can be intimidating, especially if you don't speak the language and you're just like a bit scared about where am I going to end up? And I've been on the we wrong know. bus before. And the worst thing that happens is that I'm like, but the crazy thing, <laughs> the, the reason why I, I didn't like it, Across the, the reason street, why I didn't like it as back. much is it's not like you could have sat on your phone on Google Maps and watched it. So I was forewarned no. several times by people not to have your phones out. Wow, in Medellin. So if I'm on the Colectivo and I'm going somewhere, nine times out of 10, I'm looking at my phone to make sure I'm going in that direction so I can get off. But because I was already Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. nerve wracked, right? And I usually don't listen to what people say all the time and I do it on my own, Mm -hmm. but no, people had actual accounts and these Mm -hmm. were people that had been robbed and this is, you know, expats and these are people. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, okay, I'm going to take caution to the wind as a solo female traveler. So you have been yes. robbed in Colombia more than sure. once. Sure. Sure. Like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> it is. It's part of the experience. Like oh it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So the thing with the phones in Colombia, in Cali, for example, you can't take your phone out. It's true anywhere. Just, you know, pretend you don't even have a cell phone. You don't know that cell phones were invented. In Medellin, what I do is I just, I watch the locals. What are they doing? So at the bus stop, do people take out their phones on the bus? Do they take out their phones? If I see other people are doing it, then I would feel more comfortable. And it's the same with like having your headphones in or listening to music because you have to be aware. So that's something that I don't do unless I'm like, you know, I know my way. I know my path. It's I'm comfortable in my neighborhood, for example. But on public transportation, I never listen to music, don't have the earbuds in. And I do use my phone if I see other people are. And the thing about the colectivo is that their buses are so small and it's usually like the local neighborhood people getting from point A to point B, it feels safer. Never had any problems on those little buses. On the metro where it can get full and people are like pushing and, you know, pickpocketing. And that's with yes. any, any yeah. place. I would say any metro yeah. or metropolitan area. But take us to the first time you got robbed. What was going on? <laughs> what happened? Like, let's jump to the music. <laughs> We want to make sure you'll never miss a show. So be sure to swing by our website at chroniclesabroad.com where you can subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, we'll appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend or five about the show, that will help us out big time. We'd love to have you join our growing Facebook community. Yes, y'all. We finally opened up our group called Chronicles Abroad Collective. This is the name of the group. This is where we share tips, resources, and encouragement. If you love the episodes, then you'll love the community even more. Simply click the join button. Can't wait to see you guys there. So I would just like to say I got my street smarts in Barcelona because Barcelona is a pickpocketing capital and they're good, you know. So after seven years of watching and I was in a heavily kind of tourist area. So I was like, you know, a neighborhood watch like, hey, be careful. That guy's trying to rob you. And they'd be like, hey, I'm working here. Like, quit messing up my flow. So I can spot a scam. So I know when like something's going down. So I'd been out with my friends on a night out. I wear my my bag, it's a small bag, crossbody, zipper on the interior, you know, keep the important documents, you know, well hidden. On this night, I had my wallet. And after this night, I stopped carrying a wallet. Because what's in your wallet? I had my Texas driver's license. I had my Colombian ID. I had, um, no, I didn't have the Texas driver's license. I had the Colombian ID, credit cards, you know, bank card, you know, whatever, money, whatever's in your wallet. So this pickpocket was so professional. I had to applaud them afterwards. Although my bag was crossbody, they found a way to unzip it, take my wallet out, zip it back, and they were gone. I didn't 
notice until me and my friend were on our way home. We're in a taxi, like she paid for the taxi there. So I was like, okay, I'll get it on the way back out of my bag. And I'm like, oh. Wait, did, so, <laughs> so did they bump Where's into you? Did you not like no, them? Were you having a conversation? I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. Did not feel a thing. Did not feel anything. So we were near Parque Lleras, which is, you know, and after that, I got like a bad, I didn't want to go to that park. There's just a lot of stuff that happens in Parque Lleras in Medellin. So, I mean, honestly, if I do get robbed or relieved of my belongings, that's how I want it to happen. I have had friends that have been held up at gunpoint, you know, threatened with a knife. I don't want any traumatic robbery. If you're going to rob me, just, you know, clean, pickpocket. <laughs> I can handle that. Robbery. Right? <laughs> but yes. the crazy thing yes. about it is you did everything that most people will tell you to do, which is yeah. keep your pocketbook cross-bodied, right? you know, closer to your skin, inside zippers, all of those things. So it's like, how do you prevent these things if you are already doing these things and you don't even know when, like, you know, most people think pickpocketing, that they're going to bump you, right. they're going to try to, you know, distract you. It's all about the distraction. You. They're usually working in teams, at least two to three people. Someone's asking you a question, the other one's like, Zoop, right, you know, getting in your bag. So when I went back through the events of that night, we'd stopped, you know, you see those little, usually older men or older women, they were selling like loose cigarettes or gum or something like that. So we'd stopped there. That was the last time I remember like taking my wallet out to like pay for a pack of gum or something like that, put it back in. And then we went to like a bar, we had some drinks, the guys were paying, so I didn't get my wallet out after that. (laughs) (laughs) Until I went to go home and I realized, okay, when was the last time I had it? And then we were at this bar, we were dancing. So it could have happened on the dance floor. It could have been the gum guy. Like I I just, you know, everyone is a suspect. What I did after that, it's like, what could I have done differently? I don't take my wallet. I take cash, enough cash for the night. I don't take a credit card because it took one month because of the bureaucracy with the bank, filing a police report, going to immigration, going back to the bank. Uh, one month that I couldn't access my bank account. So it's like, I'm not taking my bank card. I take enough cash for the night. When the cash is gone, I'm going home, right? And I I don't carry a purse. So I have a a very fair collection of fanny packs. Um, (laughs) I'm bringing them back. (laughs) I'm bringing back the fanny pack. And I keep my ID, my key. Like I've got, you know, the cute little key ring. I take the house key. I put it in my bra. The ID is in my bra. I say if something happens, they can identify me. So you should always have some form of ID, even if it's just a photocopy. So I had an expired ID. So I keep that in my bra, put the key in my bra, the big bills in my bra and whatever's in the fanny pack. If somebody wants to take it, you know, they can have it. I was just about to say that. So that's my new updated don't get robbed. Did you have an American bank account at the time? I did. Yes. Who was your banker? Do you mind me asking? Uh, Bank of America. Okay. They got my Colombian cards. I don't carry my U.S. Okay. cards ever. Well, first of all, I would it's never like recommend somebody I never keep... take my passport out. Yeah. Mm-mm. I wouldn't recommend anybody keep a Bank of America card if you're going to live abroad or travel abroad. I usually tell people Charles Schwab um, or Capital yep. One. Mm-hmm. And because I had made the mistake, and I do this quite often, even in and out of the States, by leaving my bank card in the ATM, because I did this in Indonesia but somebody stole it before <gasps> the ATM took it. But Charles Schwab sent me a new card within two days, business days, okay. abroad, like mailed yeah. it directly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't have them send it to Indonesia because I didn't have a place that I trusted. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they would take it in the mail. I had them send it in Thailand, which mm-hmm. was where I was living at the time. So mm-hmm. um, in regards to having international accounts or account while you are international, my recommendation would be Charles Schwab. Um, mm-hmm. They do not take out international fees and they reimburse you any ATM mm-hmm. fees after the fact. If you have a right. Bank of America, drop that mug before Let you try go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did. Bank of America is a fool. So I have had Charles Schwab for all the reasons that you have mentioned for the last year or two. And you're right, they're absolutely amazing. They're great. I mean, it's online, it's quick and easy. The app is reliable. 
I've never had to call customer service. I was You've always on Bank of America, like, what is this? What is this? What is that? Yeah. I like the chat version because I can never really call when I'm international. So I can chat with them on my phone or on my computer and they have been nothing but the best, the best, the best. Um, Capital One, I would say, would come in second to Charles Schwab, but definitely I would recommend uh, the Charles Schwab card. Honestly, the best piece of advice my grandmother gave me, I took my first trip to Washington, D.C. in the fifth grade. And she was like, take your money, take a little, um, what do you call that? Pins. Uh, safety pin? There we go, safety pin, and then just pin it to your bra. <laughs> and ever since then, whenever I travel, I always keep pin money in my bra. bra. <laughs> just in case. Hey, I don't care if I and look like just... a babushka when it comes time to pay and I'm like reaching <laughs> into my... No, honey, you don't know how many times I have been robbed or if someone has tried to rob me. So yes, your boob is, you know, best the best place. area. But the even best. in some places, because... I can't remember where it was, but if they know that you're Haitian, they will mm-hmm. tell you to lift up your shirt because they know Haitian <laughs> folks keep. <laughs> I'm serious. Haitian folks keep their, you know, their money in their bra, so they, they, they so they get savvy. But socks, yeah. you know, or your bra, or even mm-hmm. panty mm-hmm. line. And seriously, like just keep it inside and hidden. Wow. Uh-huh. So that was the best robbery you could have possibly ever had, right? So, but it wasn't. <laughs> if but we it wasn't your last the best robbery. robbery, they were good. They were really yeah, good. Yeah, but and it wasn't I your said, last robbery. Thank you, thieves. It was not the last. That was <laughs> the the only one that happened in Medellin. I had a pair of sunglasses taken when I was in San Andres. We went to like the ice cream parlor. Like, oh, that's the table we want. So I put my sunglasses. We went and ordered. I turned around. Down. Oh. That hurt because I love those sunglasses. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but we know not to leave items on tape. Yeah, just, right? yeah, the thing is, like, the things that you can do at home, and especially coming from Korea, where if you could leave, God, your newborn baby, you know, people will run you down in the street and be like, you've left something behind. Like you could take, if yeah. you're working remotely as we do, take your laptop, your phone, your iPad, whatever. And it's like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. You get up, you go, you come back. Everything is exactly where you left it. Yeah. So, in certain parts of Asia, that's just how it is. Yeah, in in just, Chiang Mai, just, it was the same way. Why would, so. I, why would I rob somebody? So it's it's definitely, I mean, you can get robbed anywhere. And that's not to say there is no, you know, petty theft or petty crime in South Korea. But it's just almost non-existent. Yeah. So like if you go home and you get comfortable, when I come home, people notice that I'm like hugging my purse or even like you notice and you're like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm trying not to get robbed. You know, <laughs> and it just, it becomes ingrained. So but your I think attitude the wrong, about it is amazing. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Just saying it with a smile. And it's like, oh yeah, it might happen again. It happens. Come see, come and the thing is, like, you can't let those experiences ruin travel for you. It is, it's just, it's part of it. It can't all be, you know, rosy, peaches, sunshine, rainbows. You do have those hiccups. And so if you're prepared and if you, you know, you know what to do if it happens, you can overcome it. In Bogota, that I think is the robbery <laughs> that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. It was not smooth. It was not smooth. I caught the robbers. And I was very, very angry. Yes, girl. I know it appears that I don't get angry, but I was very, very angry. So it was Mother's Day 2019, and a friend had invited us to a concert at a concert hall. Her boyfriend was singing in this concert. So it was a morning so that you could go and then enjoy the rest of the day with, you know, your your mama. So we went to this concert, me and a group of friends. Oh, okay. By the time we got out, it was like 10.30 or 11, right? So the rest of the day, it was a Sunday. And in Colombia, Mother's Day is one of the most violent days of the year. They have such a machismo culture that a lot of women are getting killed on Mother's Day because you have like families that maybe don't see each other very often. They come together and then all the old whatever wounds, whatever boils to the top on this day of all days. And because they don't value women's lives as much, you have a lot of tragedy on Mother's Day. So I remember saying, I'm not going out on Mother's Day, but it was the morning. So I thought, it's okay. It's before people start drinking, get drunk. And they, they even have, you know, on this day, we don't have alcohol sales passed this time, or it's a dry day. So they're trying to take precautions to prevent so much violence. Anyway, we were downtown and there's a market. Usually on Sundays or the weekends, you have a market. So one of my friends that lived in the north of the city, she hadn't seen that market before. So I was like, okay, girls, <laughs> be careful. We're about to be in a crowd. Put your 
bag across your body. Just be aware of your surroundings. So I'm giving them this rundown of how not to get robbed, you know, uh, and then I've become the target ironically. So one of my friends, there was three, three of us and we are more or less in a line. I'm in the middle. One friend's uh, ahead of me, the other's back because she saw something she wanted. So she's bargaining for this item. So I think we were probably within earshot, but not close enough to touch or anything like that. So there's, there's a crowd of people. So, you know, you're moving with a crowd, you know, you just, you go with so many, so many people. And I hear this like, (sighs) and that sound to me just is, like, oh, I hate when people spit in the street. So I'm just, I hear the sound and I'm judging whoever's about to hawk this loogie. And then once he like, I hear, I feel splat and it landed on my arm. And I was like, oh my God. So I stop and I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So my friends are like, what happened? So there's a woman to my left, because this happened on my left. She was like, no, 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 it was just a pigeon. It's a pigeon. And I was like, first of all, I heard him. And second of all, that is spit. She's like, no, it's just a pigeon. So while she's trying to convince me to my left that it's just a pigeon, and I'm in shock looking at this wad of spit on my arm, to my right, her accomplice is trying, I had my bag, crossbody. He's trying to get into my bag. But they weren't good, you know, they weren't good thieves. Because <laughs> I, heard, I heard the approach, this crazy woman's like, don't worry, it's just a bird. I'm like, what are you on? So I just, I flipped. And so in this moment, I got to use all of the Spanish curse words, you know, that you never really get to use in polite conversation. I, I cursed their mamas, I cursed their existence, I cursed, you know, everybody and everything. And from what I could tell, there were at least three people that I saw that were working together. So because we're in this crowd, I just started yelling, be careful, there are thieves, these people are thieves, they tried to rob me. And I was like, you have no shame. And today is Mother's Day. Shame. Shame. On Mother's Day, you're trying to rob me. So my friends see me like hollering and yelling and they're like, Kimberly, like what happened? And I was like, they just tried to rob me. And I think because of, you know, me saying like, be really careful to them. And then just the commotion, they were a bit stunned or shocked and then they didn't know what to do. And I was like, give me a tissue, like, "Ah, I gotta get this off. So anyway, I got cleaned up. I just felt like really gross and disgusting. I was like, I just wanna go home and take a shower and like forget this day. So in Colombia, This is one of the tricks. So I had some friends visiting from Malaysia and I recounted the story. Like when you go downtown, be careful. This is what happened to me a few months ago. So when they were downtown, it was a couple, a man and a woman. They had just recently got married and they tried, some thieves tried this exact same trick on her. So they spit on her because she's really short. For me, it landed on my elbow. And for her, unfortunately, it landed on the side of her face. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And so she wears glasses like you, Nubia. And so she's like taking her glasses off going like, oh, my God. And so while her husband's trying to help her, she was like, be careful, watch your bag. And he, you know, just got it together. And they had actually started to unzip his backpack while he was trying to help his wife. So she was like. Thank you so much for telling me that story, because if you hadn't, we wouldn't have been as alert after, you know, this guy's spit in my face. And she was like, she just kept saying, I can't believe he spit in my face. And I said, oh, my gosh, I just I felt so bad for her because, I mean, it happened to me and I felt gross. So it's just on my arm. I never want anybody to like feel. Spit is just nasty. It's assault. It's It's freaking assault. I don't care what anybody say. In a lot of states, you can actually be arrested for spitting on someone. It's really gross. And you I mean, that's how diseases are spread. So she was shook, of course, but then also really grateful that I told her about what happened so that they were more aware of this this trick. Can you shine light on the other trick, the one with the powder, I believe it is? Ah, okay. So scopamine, I believe it's called. And this is, I've only ever heard it about Colombia. When I first went there, we had an orientation because we were with a, a government organization and they were just, you know, trying to explain some of the dangers, like don't be scared, but be aware. And it's a powder that somebody could either blow in your face or maybe put in your drink. And it just, it makes you unaware and you are very multiple. They'd be like, what's the password to your phone? Okay, we're going to go to the bank and you're going to give me your PIN number. And you're like, okay. 
Sounds great. Or a lot of times it's men that get caught up with trying to have a one night stand and they take a lady back to the room. She drugs him. When he wakes up, you know, you don't remember anything and, you know, all your stuff is gone. Wow. So it's really common in Colombia and it's just like a powder that gets blown in your face, like from your hand. And then... That's right. You're at the mercy. You're at the mercy of that happened to a client of mine. Um, I did an itinerary for them in Colombia and they were in a marketplace. And um, one of the girls was on her cell phone, you know, and here goes the powder. Next thing you know, Mm -hmm. cell phone's gone, you know, and it's one of those things where the cell phone is more important sometimes than money. Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. an easy sell for them. It's easy Mm -hmm. money for them. It's an easy target for them. So as a traveler and having your cell phone out, you are a target. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't need it, and especially in some countries, like for example, in Mexico, there aren't a lot of black people. There are Afro-Mexicanos, but again, they're very marginalized. So in Ciudad de Mexico, so Mexico City, you don't see a lot of black people, so you stand out. So me being over six feet tall, black woman, whatever, I stood out. So in these types of situations where you just, your physical being makes you a target, you, you have to be careful. For sure, for sure. And that's, and (laughs) you didn't get robbed in Mexico, but you did have a situation happen in Mexico when you first got here. Do you mind? I had a few situations. Uh, I got stopped by the police and I was in Mexico City for two weeks and then I was in Oaxaca for one week. And I have to say nothing happened in Oaxaca. This was specific to Mexico City. Yeah, metropolitan areas, yeah, for sure. So within a two week time frame, I was stopped by the police on three different occasions and searched just because. Profiling mm. at its best. Mm. Yeah. No explanation, no anything. Just, you know, pull over, let me see your Well, pass. pull over, I was, I was walking. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, yeah. They pull you over, basically. It was like, let me search your bags and stuff. But the great thing about it is that you speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't imagine it happening to someone who doesn't speak a lick of Spanish because they're telling you these things in Espanol, mm-hmm. you know, you can luckily understand what it's just, it's really for. the first time it was really intimidating because a friend and I had gone to a Sunday market, which, you know, my God, maybe I should stay out of the Sunday market. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my God, damn. You find such good bargains. Okay. So we were bargain shopping, but we were trying to find the second hand market. So, you know, we ask one vendor, how can we, okay, go up to Black's turn left. Okay, we get there. How can we find, okay, keep going straight and then turn right. So at the time we'd followed everybody's directions, we were deep in the belly of the market. So we had all hours later, you know, we surfaced from our piles of 10 peso, you know, clothing, which we we found some really great deals. Anyway, <laughs> once we came up for air, we were like, okay, where are we? Cause we'd gotten turned around. So I had, I got my phone out, you know, opened up the Google maps and I was like, we're in Tepito. And when my friend heard Tepito, she was like, girl, exit stage left. Like, let's get out of here. This is the bad (laughs) part of town. And when she said that, and I, you know, like started paying attention, I was like, oh, like the vibe of the market changed. It's changed. There were more homeless people. You could see the people were maybe on drugs. Everyone just looked a little rougher. And I was like, you're right. Let's get out of here. So my friend is a white English woman of average height. Height seems to be an important factor, which is why I keep mentioning it. And then me, the tall black girl. So we're literally two steps into safety. (laughs) And we just, we get surrounded by four police officers. There were two female and two male officers. And they just, they stood in front of us. They blocked our path. And we're like, what are you doing here? We're like, (laughs) and they were talking to my friend first. And they said, we want to search your bag. She had on a backpack and then she had a little, you know, reusable bag that you would use for your shopping. And her Spanish is good. She has like an intermediate level of Spanish. But I think again, the shock and the surprise, she was just like, eh. And I was like, Maddie, they want to search your bag. And so once I told her that, they're like, well, you too. And I was like, oh shit, they're searching both of us. <laughs> <laughs> so I should have kept my mouth shut. Oh, they want to search both of us. So they searched her first and it was a thorough search. Like they took everything out of her bag. They looked through her backpack. 
I had on my fanny pack because I'm market ready. And then I had also the little, you know, reusable bag because, you know, plastic saved the earth. And I had my camera in there. So they went through everything in my bag and then they got to my camera. They took the lens cap off. They were trying to open the battery compartment. She had put fingerprints all over my camera. And I was just like, (laughs) could you not manhandle my stuff like that? And I asked him, like, what are you doing? And he tried to reassure us. We're not just stopping you because you're foreigners. It's not like we're just targeting foreigners, but we're looking for drugs and weapons. Did you buy any drugs? Do you have any weapons? And we were just like, no drugs, no weapons, some super cute dresses and tops. And so so they let us go. I would say the whole search didn't last more than five to 10 minutes, right? But we knew we didn't have anything, but Mexican police have a reputation of being corrupt. So once we were kind of on the main road, We were like, oh, what if they planted something on us, right? And then they're going to radio to whoever, like, okay, in 100 meters, you're going to see this pair, stop them and like take a bribe. So we'd stop dead in our tracks, empty our own bags, searching for drugs and arm us. (laughs) Oh my God. Sounds so stressful. So this time we're like looking for drugs. Like, did they plan anything on us? Like, do we have drugs now? Are we going to have to, you know, bribe a Mexican police officer? But there was nothing on us. So we just, you know, as fast as our little feet could carry us, we hightailed it out of there. Wow. And that was my first morning in Mexico City. So it was like, welcome to the city. And again, you tell the story with this big smile and it's like, you know, hey, it's just another day. (laughs) And for many people who don't have, I guess, the experience in traveling like you do, they would Mm -hmm. be automatically turned off. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Yes, I and I can see that. Like my point of view, I think, and my perspective is because I have seen so much and I've been, I won't say a victim, but I've been a victim so many times. And it's not like I go somewhere going, all right, what am I going to get robbed of? And who's going to stop me? And who's going to harass me? But I know it's a reality. So the thing is, I love traveling and experiencing culture, food, people. I love all of that so much. It is part of the experience. I don't wish that people go abroad and that they get robbed. I mean, no, nobody wants that experience. But if it happens, and for me, the most important thing is I'm okay, right? I wasn't injured. I'm not in the hospital. You know, Mm -hmm. my body, my person is okay. So if somebody takes my wallet, it sucks. I have to call the bank. I have to go to the police station. I have to, you know, get all the paperwork back. It's a nuisance. But it's not a tragedy. And you take out insurance. Yeah, exactly. The good absolutely outbalances or balances the bad. There's so much more good experiences that I had in Mexico City than the three times that the police were like, stop. Let me search. And I will tell you this. I met with some local people and I I was telling them about what happened because it happened on my way to meet them for Mezcal. Uh, And I was like, I keep getting stopped by the police. You know, WTF. Is that legal? Can you just stop and search someone without any reason? And they said, no, it's, it's not legal. Like they can't do that. And so my friend who I was with, she's like, well, what are you going to do the next time it happens? And I said, I'm going to let them search my bag. Uh, Because (laughs) you're not going to sit there and argue in a foreign country Mm. with a foreign country. I am not. Especially if you didn't do it. I know I don't have drugs. I know I don't have weapons. I'm not trying to backtalk the police, uh, end up in Mexican prison. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. So if you want to do an illegal search, please go ahead. Don't don't worry. Don't worry about me. Have a look. So as we wrap up, can you give your tips or advice Mm -hmm. to travelers about safety and how to handle situations like this when it does happen? Sure. I would say the most important is to always trust your gut right? If a street looks dodgy or if you see a person and they look suspicious, don't second guess yourself. 
trust your gut, go the other way, right? Always be aware of your surroundings. For example, in that market, we got so caught up and just like, whoa, whoa, look at this deal. You know, we got turned around and it was both of our first time in that market. So we could have done that a little better as well. So be aware of your surroundings and try not to put yourself in that situation. This isn't to like victim blame. It's just to, you know, give yourself a better chance of, you know, getting in and out without any any instances. So yeah, trust your gut, be aware of your surroundings. Um, and then more practical ideas, never, ever, ever take your passport. Don't do it. Like some people say, ah, oh, if you leave the hotel, you know, take your passport. Don't do that because how are you going to get back home? And then you're going to spend, <laughs> you're going to spend two or three days. Card? I've never, I've never, passport I've never card. used it. Mm. But I used to have a photocopy just if somebody wanted ideas, like I am who I say I am. An actual leave all photocopy of that stuff. or actually like on your phone? Like mine's is on you can put it, drive. Well, this was back in the day before <laughs> smartphones. I didn't have a smartphone when I started. I had a paper copy. Nowadays, I do have a PDF file on my phone. Yeah, I keep it in my gallery and in my mm -hmm. drive, my Google Drive. And that's yeah. how I keep my passport. But And even if you go out yeah, at night at the bar and they want entrance, you just show, show your ID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never your take phone. my passport out. Yeah, yeah don't do it. Don't do it. And then take what you need. Yeah. Uh, and then put it somewhere. Like some people would say, put it in your sock or at the bottom of your shoe. If you're a guy, never put anything in your back pocket, even in your front pockets. Pockets just aren't safe because any kind of movement pockets are so easily reachable. So put it somewhere concealed. Some people have like the belt that you could wear under your clothes. I'm a fan of fanny packs because they're super fashionable these days. Like I said, I'm bringing it back. Yeah, I think it's essential for and a just, traveler yeah. to actually have a fanny pack. Mm -hmm. because, I mean, or a body belt. And even with the cross body, a lot of times mm -hmm. they just cut the, um, the strap the strap and they'll just yep. take it right off of you mm -hmm. so I like the fanny pack because you can mm -hmm. actually wear it your shirts kind of over it or you know your jacket or whatever the case may be it's a little harder to cut through because it's so close to your body so mm -hmm. just be careful and be mindful and mm -hmm. I know a lot of travelers who try to be cute when they travel it's not mm -hmm. about cuteness all the time it's really no seriously you have to be practical you have yeah. to be practical you have to because it's just just, you know, you're easily targeted when they see that you put this kind of jewelry on. Right. Don't go, don't wear flashy things. Glittery don't, you're glitter. already standing out as a tourist. Don't make yourself a target. Right. And if you do carry a bag, like in the U.S., you have so many cute bags. It's got like, you know, drawstring or little closure. No, you need a zipper. If there's a clasp, if there's, I used to have a leather backpack where I would tie knots in the strings. So it's not that someone can, you know, just zip, zip, but it would be really difficult for them to get through all those different layers of your bag. So if you do have a bag, make it like a strong bag. And nowadays there's so many accessories made specifically for travel, like a strap that you can't cut through, this material that's, you know, waterproof, bulletproof, whatever. So if you do want to like splash out the anti-theft backpacks, and yeah, stuff like backpacks like that. and oh, and backpacks, you know, wear it on the front. Don't keep if you're on the bus or on the metro, like turn it around, wear it like you're carrying a baby, right? And you know, keep your hands in front of it. Yeah, and it doesn't the don't worry about being paranoid. It's funny because the material is heavy as shit. Yeah. <laughs> I have a backpack that was made by um, PackSafe and it's pretty heavy without stuff in it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the, you know, everything is reinforced so you can't cut through it. You can't. So I deal with it. But there are, you know, it is an investment in you. Yes, absolutely. You know? And if somebody's trying to take your stuff and they come with a weapon, just give it to them. Yeah. Give it to not, them. Everything in your bag can be replaced. Be replaced. There's so many stories of people who try to, you know, pop off and they mm -hmm. get stabbed or they get shot. Your life is not worth it, but best believe that your life is not important to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. Just let it go. So I really do. And from this point on, I will not carry my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> I, always, yeah. I always carry my wallet. I do. I carry my wallet I because sometimes I like to use my credit card for certain things. But also another tip, which I just learned, PayPal has a credit card or Visa card. It's not a credit card. Oh. It's like a, a card that you can put money on. So mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. you can take your PayPal card, right? Put mm -hmm. money on your PayPal account, put that on your card and take that with you. Mm -hmm. it's that a Visa. is a great idea. Exactly. Yeah. That way your bank card, your, your mm -hmm. primary source of income or money, you know, never take that out with you. And if you can, 
you know, if you're at a hotel, lock it in the um, the safes. In the safe. If you don't have a, a safe, put it in mm-hmm. a bag and use your lock mm-hmm. on whatever zipper your mm-hmm. most important stuff are. Because housekeepers and things like that, you know, robberies happen not mm-hmm. just you know, on out like in the streets, but in the, in the room as well. Exactly. Yeah. You just, so, you always have to be hyper vigilant. You got to be hyper vigilant, but Kimberly, thank you for sharing your stories. Cause this is going thank to help you. a lot of people become more aware and maybe even save some people. Right. I hope because so. There's more and more, <laughs> no, seriously, there's more and more yeah. of us traveling, but people are so caught up with their phones. You know, texting pictures. I mean, I'm guilty of it. Picture, 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 picture. Even when, you know, you were texting, I'm like, get out of your phone. Like, (laughs) we we are always caught up in so many other things and not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And this is going to bring awareness to a lot of people that you have Mm -hmm. to just pay attention. Keep your eyes open. And it's not always adults. Shit, somebody's a kid. Yeah, oh, yeah. The kids are pretty savvy, too. Mm-hmm. The kids mm-hmm. are in on it. I mean, you yeah. know, the parents, I've, I've had a lot of kids approach me asking for stuff. And then you got mm-hmm. two or three. When we were in India, it was like yeah. eight kids surrounded us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hell no. And I just like <laughs> felt it. You know, this one's over there talking yeah. to them. I'm like, nah, because mm-hmm. I don't kids feel are safe. Just Let's as go. They, they have like, sticky fingers, too. And sometimes, unfortunately, that's the way the family makes mm-hmm. their living. It is unfortunate, but I mean, trust nobody. <laughs> trust yourself. <laughs> don't trust anybody. Yeah, you have because they're little, so you don't see them, you know, working. So you don't look down at your knees like, are you robbing me, sweet, adorable, <laughs> cute little kid? And they're like, gotcha. Yeah, so. Because that happened to just one of our Just be aware. Guests, and he was male. And he was oh, like, yeah. yeah, you know, he was like, all oh, these cute little kids from, I think that he was in Peru or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. And then he said he got back to his hotel and he's and they like. They took everything. They took everything. <laughs> and he was laughing about it. He's like, well done, well played. Because, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like, got, got. Man, just three little kids. He's like, well played, guys. Mm-hmm. You got me. Yeah, so um, don't think because you're male it won't happen. Don't think because you're with your man it won't happen. Don't think. Don't think know. because you're six feet tall it won't happen they will rob anybody exactly but we want people to still continue to travel absolutely be be practical be mindful and Mm -hmm. just be hyper vigilant about your surroundings and and take these tips to heart from someone who has been robbed both successfully and unsuccessfully But thank you so much, Kimberly. Oh, it was such a pleasure having you on. Great seeing you again. And where to next? Right now you're currently in the States. Where would you be heading next? Only the new year will tell. So I just came back from three weeks in Mexico. That was my original destination after I left Colombia. But I had to come back unexpectedly for some family issues. So now that those are more or less resolved, the world is open to me again. So I've just got my feelers out and you'll have to see if you can catch me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see whatever photos you take in whatever next country you're in. And I hope to cross paths again soon. Absolutely. We're forever connected, girl. Yeah. (laughs) All right, my dear. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you so much to both of you and have a wonderful day. And don't get robbed. (laughs) (laughs) thank you for tuning in to chronicles abroad please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms head over to itunes to subscribe rate and leave a review follow us on instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad find us online at our website chroniclesabroad.com for tips resources and ways we can collaborate so don't forget to join us next week for another episode until then beautiful people thanks for listening Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.